you know what I found on my walk the other day? I found um, two, a book of 250 Sudokus. That's too many. I have an Etsy store and somebody just ordered something from it and it's like a little necklace that I need to make. And I started the artist's way, I don't know, four years ago or something. Right. And I was like, I just want to do things that I like. Like, I just want to bake a cookie and make a necklace. Yeah. And like, I think I like love summer camp vibes. Like, I love an arts and crafts. I love a mini cooking thing. Yes. And you stop doing it when you're an adult, which is why you have to have kids because they'll come home and be like, we have to make a diorama. And you'll be like, uh, I got it. I got it. Actually, you're like, my... you go play. I'm going to make the diorama. <laughs> For the record, my grandma did that. I always was like a procrastinator. And my grandma would be like, my mom would be like, you have a fucking project due tomorrow. And I'd be like, we need to go to Walgreens and get poster boards. Like, oh my God. I was so I last can't minute. wait till I have to go to Michael's. <laughs> My grandma is a perfectionist and was a teacher herself, and she comes over, and what happened was is we were making – did I ever tell you this story? We are making a family tree, and my grandma – I had to go to gymnastics that night. So as I went to gymnastics, my grandma and I had started. My grandma copied my handwriting and finished the project for me. Right. Because she couldn't just stop. If you're not going to do it right, she doesn't want you to do it. Well, I don't care about it being right. I just really like the exercise of doing it, and I really like things like – making a little arts and crafts project. And so I thought I'd open this Etsy store so I could do some fun things. It was a smart thing to do because... Is this a promo for your Etsy store? No, (laughs) I don't make any money on it. I mean, I I make such a... It's ridiculous. But what it does do is the money I make selling a couple of things pays for me to buy the craft supplies. I love that. So it's a break-even thing where I'm like, I want to learn how to emboss bags. I want to learn how to uh, do hammer jewelry. And you pick a thing that you want to learn how to make. You buy the stuff to make it. You throw a few things up online. And if you can make a couple sales, you bought all your craft stuff. Oh, you know what I want to promo? Promote, you mean? (laughs) Yeah, but then I wanted to sound young, so I said promo. Sure, promo people say that? I don't know. Sure. Yeah. You know what I want to promo? What do you want to promo? My company, Purple Crown Immersive, has a brand new... It's so good. ...show that's... It's for corporate uh, teams to bond. So if or there's... family. I don't think the price is family friendly. Well, if you do like a family reunion, if you want to do like a holiday... Wait a minute. If you want to do a big holiday where like you're like family of 30 or 40 aren't going to be together, but you want to do a fun activity, this is great. Although okay. it's January right now, so all right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and say it's it's mainly for uh, your business to pay for, not you. So get excited if you Our work HR. for a business <laughs> that's about to want to do some sort of event and it's COVID friendly because the whole thing happens on Zoom and it's so fun it's really and fun. it's puzzles and it's uh, bonding and it's called Tough Luck. Look it up; it's adorable. You're going to have a blast. It's there. so good. Promo over, guys. I made that really short. Ugh. Because I know you don't like me. And you know why I know you don't like me? Because you're not on Patreon. Because you're not on Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> I went there. She did. You got burnt. You know, I hate it when we fight you guys. So I'm still going to do a story today. Carrie, I'll are you going to do one? I'll do a story. I feel the need to tell you, dear readers, just to be above board. I looked at Quinn before we recorded today and I said, Quinn, I hate my story. She said, I hate my story. I said, I hate my story because it's so dark. It's really fucking dark. I don't. And is it creeply? I, it's actually truly. Darkly. Creeply. I'm Carrie Epema. I'm Quinlan Posner. And I'm about to tell this. I, Carrie's not excited to tell her story. Because it's really dark. It's really trigger warning. I'm excited to hear it. You want to do some trigger warnings? I don't know if we trigger warnings. Just like abuse, torture. It's a lot of things. Whoa. Whoa. I said the torture word. And she that said is, the T word. I said the T word. Carrie does not do stories like this, so I don't know what made her think she should do one today. I don't know. I, but honestly, I told Matt. Matt is our guy that we send. You know, anyway, I sent him these stories, and I was like, I have to send another one. I have to send another one. Okay, I'll do this one. And I did it, and then I researched it, and I was like, I immediately regret telling him I was going to do this story. So here we are. I got it from Wikipedia. 
Thank you, Indianapolis Monthly, Indie Star, and ChillingCrimes.com. I feel the need to preface it. This crime is described as the most terrible crime ever committed in Indiana. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's where we're at emotionally. You guys should get out of here. Get out of I'm here. I'm going to stay because I'm interested, but I, I think you should get out of here. So I'm going to do some background on this woman. Her name is Gertrude Benizewski. Benizewski? We don't know how to say her last name. But there it is. So she's from Indianapolis originally. She grew up working class. Something of note is that she saw her dad die at a heart attack when he was 50 years old. So, like, yeah, like, that's that had to be tough. Not that um, bad. Not that I'm bad. I'm getting the feeling that she did something really bad, so I'm already prejudging. Already and I'm her. being like, not good enough, Gertrude. So she dropped out of high school at 16 to marry this 18-year-old. His name is John Stephen Benizewski. So this is around, like, 1944. He had a temper, so he would, like, occasionally beat his wife is what they described it, which I love when people say occasionally beat someone's (laughs) wife, as in, like, you just fucking beat your wife or you don't. Like, it's not like, occasionally, I occasionally murder people. (laughs) That's what it feels like to me. Do you know what I mean? Maybe it's It's just the wrong word. It's like I occasionally assault people. No, you fucking assault someone. That's not an occasional thing. So they were together for 10 years, this go-around, the son, and they had four kids of this partnership. Paula, Stephanie, John, and Marie. Then they divorce. Then she marries this other guy. That relationship lasts for three months. Then she gets back with John, and she has two more kids. This girl, Shirley, this kid, James. um, And then she divorces him again, finally, in 1963. They just couldn't quit each other. She then dated this 22-year-old who did beat her. They had a kid together. The kid's name is Dennis. Dad left. He, she, like, had assumed for child support. Basically, all we know is this. Not all we know. A big thing that we know is this. She's living in 1965 with her seven kids. She's 36 years old. She's single. She's 5'6", underweight. She's a smoker. She's depressed. She has asthma and she's smoking. Feels like a little bit weird. I'm going to go through the ages of the kids one more time. Paula is 17. Stephanie is 15. John is 12. Maria's 11. Shirley is 10. James is 8. And Dennis is a newborn. Super unhealthy mom, gaggle of kids. Gaggle of kids in Indiana. No dad in the pick. No dad in the pick. Got it. We're going to also talk about Sylvia Likens. Sylvia Likens, she is the middle child of two sets of fraternal twins. Wild. Wow, that is weird. Wild. So at the top end... So she always... It's like the worst version of being a middle child. You already feel like you're (laughs) the middle child. And there's twins on either side. Cool. Cool. Chill. Her parents were carnies. So they were like hustlers. They would go out and they would tour. They sold like popcorn, coke, beer. You know, they did the whole thing. And they moved a lot. So on the one end, there was Daniel and Diana. Sylvia is in the middle. And then another set of twins, Benny and Jenny. Adorable. Well, sure. Cute. Don't do that, by the way, don't, dear readers. Don't, don't do, do that. that. So the boys would go and travel with the parents and help out at the carnivals. But the parents wanted to make sure that the two young girls, I guess Diana had moved out and was doing her own thing. But the parents wanted to make sure that Sylvia and Jenny were, were educated and were stayed pretty stationary. So initially, while the parents would travel, the girls would stay with their grandparents and relatives to make sure that they went to the school, went to school and did their homework and all that good stuff. Sylvia was just like a really beautiful, confident, sweet girl. She would do a lot of odd jobs around town. She would run errands for neighbors, do ironing. She'd babysit. She would do chores for people. And then she would do this and she would earn money for the family and she would give some of the money to her mom, which I always feel like is just any kid who does that is just a gift. She loved the Beatles. She was particularly very protective of her younger sister, Jenny. Jenny had polio, so one of her legs was a little bit weaker, so she walked with a pronounced limp, and she had a steel brace that she walked in. She would skate with her sister, where her sister would put an ice skate on her strong leg, and her sister would, like, you know, skate her around the rink. In July 1965, her mom, I guess, was back, and she was arrested for shoplifting. No bueno, no good, so times were tough, um... 
And shortly after this, that her dad had decided, you know what, like, we need help with these kids. Their father, Lester, ended up speaking to Gertrude. Gertrude with a gaggle of seven kids. And Why would you ask somebody with seven kids to help you with your kids? I feel that like you're like, what's two more? batshit crazy. What's two more? Well, Gertrude was like, I w- I'm happy to help take care of your kids. What's two more? You know, and she was like, I'll take care of them like my own. Like, Lester, all good. And Lester was like, okay, great. And Sylvia had met Paula and Stephanie, the 17 and 15-year-old. She had met the two girls at school, so they were acquaintances, so they knew each other. So there was like, they, they knew each other from school. So Lester is like, I'll pay you $20 a week until November when we come back from, you know, traveling season. And Gertrude's like, I'll treat him like my own. So it was fine in the beginning. You know, Sylvia got along with Stephanie and Paula. I think she was closer to Stephanie, um, but they would listen to music. She would do chores, you know, things like that. I guess there might have been an occasional spanking, but things were fine for about two weeks And then I guess Lester, the $20, the date that the $20 was supposed to come on was a little bit late. So Gertrude got upset, and so she started lashing out on the girls. She would use a paddle and hit the girls and say, well, I took care of you two little bitches for a week for nothing. And she would hit Sylvia. Things started really escalating in a profound way pretty quickly. This is happening in July, right? They're staying with her in July. Sylvia and Jenny would go to church with the family. And at one church supper, Paula had said that Sylvia ate too much at the church supper. Now, keep in mind, this is at a church, not at their own house. Um, So it's like, what's it to you? What's it to you? It's unclear if it was Paula or Gertrude, but the girls were beaten 15 times with a paddle on their back. What do you mean Paula or Gertrude? Paula's the older sister. She she would partake in... She carries out the beatings, too. Um, you'll find out very quickly that all of the kids do. And neighborhood kids. Oh, okay. I don't know how else to describe it except Gertrude is the mother and she allows this to happen and demands it to happen. She's ordering these kids she's to beat ordering them? and allowing them. I, I think both. it's a little bit of both. I don't think she's fully like I think she's also like you do it, which we'll get into later, but like she's also like this is acceptable here. You can, at this house, okay. beating Sylvia fucking goes. Okay. So Gertrude would abuse Jenny as well, but it was always worse for Sylvia, as I said. A lot of people think it was because Sylvia was young and pretty and promising and kind of was everything Gertrude wasn't. You know, Gertrude is like, you look at pictures of her and she just looks like a fucking witch. Like okay. she looks fucking scary. And everybody was jealous of Sylvia. And so they tortured her. And I'm going to go through some things that happened, and they're they're fucking rough. After the church in- incident, she would stop feeding Sylvia. So Sylvia just wouldn't get any food, so she was forced to eat leftovers or out of the garbage, whatever was left over. At one point, she was exchanging bottles, and she bought candy, and they accused her of stealing the candy. So, of course, she was beaten. Sylvia had claimed that she had a boyfriend in California. I guess the family had gone out to California, and she met this guy. And Gertrude asked her, you know, did you do any, have you done anything with a boy? And Sylvia, really not knowing what that meant, was like, yeah, I went ice skating or we went to the beach. And I guess it came to light that she was, happened to be under the covers with the guy. Nothing about what happened under the covers. And Gertrude was like, oh, you're getting pretty big there. And, you know, Sylvia was like, oh, I guess I could lose weight. And she was like, no, you look like you're pregnant. If you do something under the sheets with a boy, you're going to get pregnant. And then she kicked her in the genitals. Paula, the oldest at the time, was three months pregnant and, I guess, jealous. And so she also beat Sylvia and knocked her off of a chair. At one point, Paula, with a neighborhood boy, they forced Sylvia to eat a hot dog covered in condiments. They forced it down her throat. And when she got sick and threw it up, they forced her to eat that. So Sylvia, at one point early on in the abuse, she tried to fight back in a way where she spread a rumor that Paula and Stephanie were prostitutes. It was her way of, like, getting back at them, whatever. I mean, listen, this girl's getting the shit beat out of her, you know? Yeah, it just doesn't seem like... A smart idea. Yeah. But I... Yeah. It's like, they already have it out for you, honey. Don't... Yeah. Um, Run away is maybe... Yeah. So Stephanie finds out 
she punches her and then Stephanie tells her boyfriend about this rumor. Her boyfriend is Coy Hubbard. He is 15 years old. He attacks Sylvia. He hits her. He bangs her head into the wall and he flips her on the ground. So everybody in the whole town is hurting Sylvia? Everyone in this neighborhood is hurting That's Sylvia. That's really intense. It's like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's like, what are it's, the odds the whole town is just filled with monsters? It's horrifying. Like, reading it, reading the abuse that this child endured. How it, old is she? She's 16. So... Gertrude finds out that this rumor is being called, so she paddles her again. She beats her. At one point, Paula, the oldest daughter, beat her so much, she broke her own wrist from from hitting from her. hitting her, and she broke Sylvia's jaw. And then when Paula got a new cast, she beat Sylvia so much with the cast that the cast broke. Jesus, like, where is everybody needs therapy? Everyone needs to go to fucking jail forever. It's like, what the fuck is <laughs> wrong with therapy, people? I said therapy, you said jail. They need to go to jail. They're no, like, what is right. wrong with them? You can't, yeah. So then Gertrude is like, you did it to me, I'm going to do it to you. So she accuses her of like prostitution and promiscuity and she calls her a slut and all that stuff. So much so, oh, I hate this. Um, she would humiliate Sylvia in front of her kids and the neighborhood kids. And she would force Sylvia to get naked and stick a Coke bottle up her vagina in front of everybody. Oh, my God. Gertrude does this? Yeah. She forces a 16-year-old to do this. So she forces Jenny, her younger sister, to beat her. And if she doesn't, she is going to get beaten just oh like that. Oh, my God. That's the worst thing, actually. They, what a mind fuck. Jenny you know can't they're tell. Like... Yeah. Jenny can't tell anyone because she's fear of retribution. I mean, what would you do if you see this happening and to your how sister? Jenny? Is she a few years younger? A few years younger. Yeah. Gertrude would have all the neighborhood kids come over, like Coy Hubbard and this guy Richard Hobbs, to abuse Sylvia. Coy would use her as, like, a practice dummy in, like, judo sessions and, like, flip her over and practice fighting on Sylvia. They would burn her with cigarettes over a hundred times on her body. And her parents are traveling with the carnival right Mm -hmm. now. Yeah. And they would come back... Every what? now and then. No. Yeah, and they wouldn't see any physical. They wouldn't see. And Sylvia wouldn't oh, tell them? They'd be in front of Gertrude. Sylvia was getting the shit kicked out so of her. So what? Well, she tried to tell her older sister, Diana. I'll get into this later, but I'll, you know, they, at one point, Diana, the older sister, sees the girls, and the girls are like, it's really bad. It's really bad. And Diana's like, you guys are just exaggerating. Oh, my God. And Diana only realizes it's this bad when she tries to go over to Gertrude's house to see the girls. And Gertrude's like, "Um, get the fuck out. You're not allowed here. Whoa. Sylvia, obviously, they don't have a lot of money. And at school, she is accused of stealing a gym suit because she couldn't afford one. When she's accused of stealing it, Gertrude pulls her out of school. And is like, you stole. You're not allowed in school. And whipped her with a police belt. At one point, she stole a tennis shoe, I guess, for Jenny's strong foot so Uh that she could give it to her. And Gertrude burned her fingertips before whipping her. There's evidence of them pulling her fingernails off. (gasps) Holy shit. Stephanie. It seems like it just... It just gets worse. It really gets worse. What else can we do? What would be worse than the last thing? And it gets worse worse i i don't know how else to tell you it gets fucking worse sometimes stephanie the second eldest daughter would defend her you know if their mom was accusing her of having sex or being a prostitute or something stephanie would shout she didn't do anything again they wouldn't ask for any help because they were afraid it was going to get worse Jenny, when she alluded to what was happening outside of the house, she was also beaten. Like I said, their parents sometimes saw them, but they didn't see anything, and they were always in front of Gertrude, so the girls never felt safe to say what was going on. Um, and after the parents left, Gertrude would look at the would look at Sylvia and say, "What are you going to do now, Sylvia? Now they're gone." They saw Diana again outside of the house, and Sylvia was like, "I'm hungry," so Diana got her a sandwich. Maria, the younger of the kids had reported to the family that she had a sandwich and so they bludgeoned her and choked her for having a sandwich outside of the home because they called her a glutton they would give her scalding baths like boiling baths and if she fainted which she often did they would bang her head against the bathtub so she would come to at one point 
the father of a neighborhood kid noticed something was going on that this girl was walking around with open sores so he called the school and reported it the school came because she hadn't been going to school because she was pulled out for quote stealing a gym suit the school came Gertrude hid Sylvia and said she ran away the school never checked up on this again the neighbors noticed the abuse and witnessed it happening and never reported it (gasps) what so many people could have fucking stopped this. It's a kid. Just fucking. She's 16 years old. It got so the bad risk, man. due to damage of everything. She started wetting herself. Oh. So when she would do that, they wouldn't allow her to clean or they'd beat her for doing it. And they ended up tying her in the basement. And that's sort of when this escalates. She'd be tied up naked. Because now she's just a fucking animal. Mm-hmm. Naked and tied in the basement. Exactly. This is so dark, man. She was, I told you. This is nuts. She was deprived of water. She was barely given any food. She was starved. She was malnourished. She would be tied to the stairs where her feet wouldn't be touching the floor. Gertrude would tell the kids that Sylvia said something about them, so it would prompt them to beat her. She's fucking up these kids, too, in a really She's scary way. She's fucking up. She's creating monsters. Yes, 1,000%. At one point, this is so dark. There was that newborn baby in the house, and what they did is they took a dirty diaper, and they put it all over her mouth, Sylvia's mouth, and then they gave her a glass of water and told her that that was the only water she was going to get that day, so she had to drink it. It's so dark. It's really fucking it's just dark. Torture. At one point, because... Gertrude had this idea that she was sexually promiscuous. Gertrude branded her. She she had her daughter heat up a needle, and she carved in Sylvia's abdomen, I'm a prostitute and proud of it. Gertrude had said that she got it at a sex party and that that's where she got this. After the branding, Gertrude said, Sylvia, what are you going to do now? You can't get married now. What are you going to do? Weeping, Sylvia replied. I guess there's nothing I can do. She finally gets to sleep upstairs one night with her sister, Jenny, and she tells her sister, she said, Jenny, I know you don't want me to die, but I'm going to die. I can tell it. Uh, Yeah, I'm pretty impressed she didn't commit suicide yet. Yeah, she convinces Jenny to give her some water. Um, And then she pees herself and is brought back into the basement at around this time. This is October. So this is going on from July to October. So like not a long period of time for this to escalate and for this to be happening. In October, Gertrude gives her a pen and paper and has her write down a story that Gertrude will give her parents to say, the neighborhood boys, I ran away with them. I didn't obviously have trying wrote the to letter. exonerate trying Gertrude to exonerate her. Yeah, and the time is running out, and she's like, and she's about to die. What's the story yeah. going to be? What's the story going to be? And so she planned on because she knew she was so fucked up, and her parents were due back in November. She and the kids had planned on bringing Sylvia to a wooded area and leaving her there to die. Yeah, that was their plan, and to have this letter as evidence to say this is what happened. We don't know because they're like her body tells a story that we, we did all these things exactly to her. right. Sylvia overhears this, and Sylvia is incredibly weak. It's about it's October twenty fifth. She overhears this plan. She tries to escape. She's so weak and malnourished. She can't get out of the door. So they bring her back down. Gertrude hits her with a curtain rod so badly that it bends at a right angle. Coy Hubbard, Stephanie's boyfriend, takes it, hits her one time. She's unconscious. That night, she starts screaming for help. She knows her time is running out. Yeah. Neighbors hear her scream. And don't do anything. They don't do The screaming stops at 3 a.m. They oh. say they do nothing. Who are these fucking neighbors? Who are these Because it's one thing to be like, you ended up in a house with monsters. But you ended up but at a place where everybody that is. the people that live next door are also monsters and is insane. It's in the 60s. No one wants to get involved. No what? one. The morning of October 26th, she couldn't move properly. She couldn't speak properly. They told her to say the alphabet. She only got four letters out. The way they describe her is like trying to put milk to her lips and she couldn't do it. Like she wasn't strong enough to lift a glass to her face. That afternoon, 
her abusers all came around and surrounded her and she did this thing where she would like jerk her hands and she'd point at people's faces and say that's Ricky or that's Gertie or like she was trying to look at her accusers and say their names. I don't know what was happening but she was so beaten and malnourished and fucked up that that's what they that's what they claimed she was doing. Who claims? All the people that the people that were there of what she was doing. So all the bad guys told that story. Mm-hmm. Well, you'll see in the trial they're all going to get tried together, and so a lot of it is pointing fingers about who did what, who did what, who did this. Got it. Jenny was there. Her younger sister was there. She sees this happening. She also testifies in the trial. She ends up leaving to go do neighborhood chores to work to make some money. She leaves, and again, she's fucking used to this at this time. Do you know what I mean? Like. Jenny, this is her new normal for Jenny. I guess, but if if Sylvia dies, seems to me Jenny's about to inherit her place. Her abuse, yeah. But she's, again, she's fucking... all these people got, like, addicted... To torture. And started to torture, and it escalated and escalated. They're looking around at who's the next person we're going to totally demolish. Kill. And that would be Jenny. Yeah. So... That day, the 26th, they hose Sylvia down. She, They try to get her to leave. She can't step. She, she can't sit up. She can't hold herself up. She can't even push herself up. Nothing. Gertrude gets pissed, and she stomps on her head, and Sylvia's unconscious. Stephanie, the daughter who is there but isn't doing most of the violence, she's... She's the one who I think is least culpable of the family members of the... F- I right. don't even know. It's I can't re- even you say. can't exonerate anybody. I can't exonerate I anyone. Mean, so she's unconscious. Stephanie tries to give her a bath, but sometime, at some point, Sylvia stops breathing in the middle of the bath. I wonder if Stephanie killed her, because that would be... The most humane thing to do? Yeah. And Stephanie seems like she's having a hard time with some of the torture, so... Yeah. You could see where she'd be like, enough. Right. I'm putting your head under. That's interesting. Her cause of death is subdermal hematoma, they find out. So it is that moment where Gertie stomped on her head Uh that killed her. So Stephanie is saying, oh, my God, she's dead. She's dead. She tries to give Sylvia mouth to mouth. Yeah. Gertrude is like, she's faking it. She's faking it. She's hitting the body with a book. Doesn't stop when she's dead. Doesn't stop when she's fucking dead. Whoa. By 530, she's dead. Stephanie is seen crying, cuddling her body. Richard Hobbs, one of the kids, calls the police. Gertrude is like, call the police, call it from a payphone. He calls the police. The police come over. Gertrude tries to use this letter that she had Sylvia write to say it was these guys. She's promiscuous. I don't know what's going on. None of this makes sense. Paula, the older sister who's a piece of shit, she has a Bible being like, her death was meant to be. And she's looking at Jenny and she's saying, you know, we'll treat you like a member of our own family, you know. Just fucking bananas. Jenny is reciting what she has been told by this family. Right. And Scared finally, out of marbles. she whispers to the police officer, she says, you get me out of here and I'll tell you everything. Oh, shit. So they get her out of there. And at her statement, they arrest Gertrude, Paula, Stephanie, John, Coy Hubbard, and Richard Hobbs. Gertrude denies the death, but she admits to the kids abusing her, particularly Paula and Coy. She said that she was sleeping in the basement due to the incontinence, and then the police said, you know, I think it was the damage to her kidneys and her mental state. And Gertrude gets really flustered and starts freaking out and then tells them a little bit more information. Paul admits to beating her. John Jr. admitted to spanking her and burning her. Five other neighborhood kids, Michael Monroe, Randy Lepper, Darlene McGuire, Judy Duke, and Anna Sisko were also arrested by October 29th. All were charged with causing injury but were released because they were going to be witnesses. The autopsy report. I hate, I told you I hated this fucking story. I told you I hated it. Yeah, it's really terrible. It's really awful. There's 150 wounds across her body, all at varying degrees of healing. There's burns, bruising, muscle damage, nerve damage. Her vagina was almost swollen shut. Her fingernails were broken backwards. The torture was so bad and she was so malnourished that she actually bit her lips through the skin so her lips were hanging off her body her skin was peeling back on her face her knees 
any joints. Like, her skin was receding or being pulled back because she was so malnourished and she had nothing. Mm-hmm. <sighs> on December 30th, 1965, there were first-degree murder indictments on Gertrude Paula, John, and Richard Hobbs and Coy Hubbard. Stephanie waived her own immunity to agree to testify yeah. at the trial. So she was like, I don't need immunity. I'll just testify. All five were tried together because the prosecutor was like, you know what? All five of you contributed to this. You're all the sum of a whole. What's noteworthy is that Paula is 17. Also, Paula, keep in mind, she's still pregnant. Paula is 17. Stephanie is 15. John is like 12. Hoy is 15. Like Gertrude is 37 years old. She's an adult. And all these kids are like 18, between 12 and 18 years old. Paula's a piece of shit. Go fuck yourself, Paula. But all of them are fucking... Fuck you, Coy. Fuck them all. So the kids all claim that they were forced by Gertrude. Gertrude tries to plead insanity that she was depressed and that she had just had a miscarriage and she was having... She took some pills for her asthma that made her forget everything that was like... She didn't know what she was doing. She blamed the kids. She was like, who knew I had such a den of like horrors in my house like clutching her pearls oh my god it's she's like i never did anything but everything but spank everything uh, a doctor on the stand they they gave like a psychiatric evaluation they said everybody was could stand trial jenny finally testifies against them and she's sobbing crying telling what happened the closing arguments were pretty crazy because all five were tried at the same time the closing arguments of all five attorneys were varying degrees. Like, the attorney for Gertrude would say things like, you think this person is sane? No sane person would do this to a child. Like, there's no way this person... This, this woman's fucking crazy, basically. And Paula's, like, blaming Gert. Like, they're all blaming each other and saying they were forced to do what not and everything. Finally, after eight hours of, of the jury deliberating... Gertrude is found guilty of first-degree murder. She's sentenced to life. Paula's guilty of second-degree murder, and she's sentenced to life in prison. She also had recently gave birth to a kid, named it after her mother, Gertrude. The kid was later adopted. Hobbs, Hubbard, and John were all guilty of manslaughter, and they, all ser- they were all sentenced to 2 to 21 years. Now, of course... Two. 2 to 21 years. It's a pretty big fucking window. It's a big fucking window. Also, that's all they got. Just what I'm saying. It's insane. So there obviously is a retrial because, of course, there fucking is. The idea was it was because (laughs) the judge denied motions of the defense, a technicality, you know. So Gertrude, after her second trial, she was found guilty of first-degree murder. She got life in prison. In prison, though, she was a fucking model prisoner. People referred to her as a mother. She was like a den mom. She was working in the sewing shop. People really loved her, and she was up for parole in 1985 she changed her name she became a christian obviously jenny protested her parole hearing in december 1985 20 years after she was granted parole oh shit at her parole hearing she said i'm not sure what role i had in sylvia's death because i was on drugs i never really knew her i take full responsibility for whatever happened to sylvia but she still fucking denies full culpability She's granted parole. She's relocated to Iowa. Crazy statement. She says that I don't remember anything and I don't accept responsibility. But of course, I I take all the responsibility. You're like, what? (laughs) What the fuck is wrong with you? She dies of lung cancer. Thank God. Ding dong. The bitch is dead in 1990 at the age of 61. Jenny found her obituary and sent it to her mother. And she said, along with the obituary, some good news. Damn old Gertrude died. Ha ha ha. I'm happy about that. Paula, who fucking was sentenced to life in prison at second degree murder and who was a piece of shit, she pled down to voluntary manslaughter. She was sentenced to between two and 21 years, tried to escape twice. She was released after seven years in 1972. She assumed a new identity. Get this. She also moved to Iowa and guess what she did for work? She worked as an aide as a school counselor. (gasps) Oh, my God. What the fuck is wrong with people? In 2012, they finally figured out her identity and she was fired. And they finally learned who the fuck she was. This is a story that makes you not believe in second chances. Truly. She's married and has two kids. (gasps) 
Stephanie, the daughter who waived her immunity charges, her murder charges were dropped eventually because I think she just became a witness. Um, she has a new name, and guess what? She became a school teacher, is married, and has several kids. She lives in Florida. Careful, Florida. Marie, Shirley, and James, the younger of the kids, they all went to foster families. Richard Hobbs and Coy Hubbard and John Jr., they all served less than two years for their crimes. Wow. Richard ended up dying of lung cancer four years after the fact. Coy was a criminal for the rest of his life and was accused of murdering someone in 1982. John, he was young, he was 12, but he's the only person to publicly acknowledge what happened and what part he played in it. He also publicly acknowledges that they all should have done more time. Yeah. He's like, we should have fucking been in jail longer. Yeah, it's not right. He became very religious. And again, he's the only one to talk about it, show any sort of remorse. He's quoted as saying, my mom was a very selfish, self-centered person. I don't know who I can attribute this quote. I think it could have been one of the prosecutors in the trial that they said, this is the most hideous thing Indiana has ever seen and I hope we'll ever see. There's a monument now in front of her grave where it talks about how she influenced laws changing. And I don't think it's worth it. This child. I gotta say, I don't think any good that came of this is worth the bad. No, no. I have nothing to say except I'm so sorry I shared that with you. Gary, you made a mistake this week. I think I made a mistake. But I don't think you'll ever make it again. I honestly, like I said earlier... You did this to yourself, and it's so funny because while you told this story, you looked so victimized by telling it. Like, you just looked so heart-sunken, demolished that you had to say the next sentence. You barely made it through, it felt like. It hurt. I... Honestly, I saw this. I I, had, I saw someone. I I read about this case, and I was like, okay, yeah, this is a case. Oh, I hate this case. I hate it. It's so sad. I tried to like bare bones the information of like the torture, but I had to give it some space for like acknowledging what the fuck happened. You know what I mean? She would yeah. just have the neighborhood kids come over and beat the shit out of this poor 16-year-old girl and forced her sister to watch her die. And it wasn't even a kidnapping. Like, we've talked about torture. We've talked about, like, the truck stop killer and all this stuff and how, like, they did heinous things. What's so insane about this torture is that there are so many eyewitnesses to it happening. I think also making kids participate in oh. the torture is particularly upsetting. I'm sorry you had to tell that story and I'm glad it's over. I am too. Let's never talk about it again. Okay. Don't worry. The good news is... I told you it was fucking dark. There's no way mine's gonna get darker because that's not a thing. Yeah. Uh, It doesn't get darker than that, actually. So, you know why I did my story is that... um, Because you knew mine was gonna happen and you're like, we need to fucking live it. I'd have known this was gonna be your story. You would have told told the story about a birth, like something beautiful. uh, I'd have just called in sick. I'd have been like, maybe this is a solo episode for you, Carrie. <laughs> no, uh, I, my sister Madison, my youngest sister, dear readers, for those of you that don't know, I am one of four sisters. I'm the oldest and the wisest. Just kidding. All my sisters listen. None my, of my sisters listen. And I only have one. So it'd be weird if I'm more. But yeah, none of them listen. <laughs> none of your one sisters <laughs> none listen. None of my one sister listens. I make up for it because all three of mine do. We average two Two sisters, which I think is good. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's good. My youngest sister, Madison, like me, is into all this stuff, all the truly darkly creeplies in the world. And uh, she lives in Colorado, and her and her husband like to frequent the Stanley Hotel and stay there. And they've stayed there a couple times, and they go do the ghost tours, and she calls me and tells me about it. It just sounds so phenomenal, so up my alley. If you guys are curious, I think I covered some fun stuff about The Shining and conspiracies in one of our really early episodes. It had to be like episode four or something crazy. But this uh, this time around, I'm just going to talk about the hotel itself in Estes Park, the Stanley Hotel. Amazing. Yeah, we need it. This is the perfect match. I got my stuff from thoughtcatalog.com. Yes. 
Who doesn't love a thought catalog? I love catalogs and I love thoughts. So it's just right up my alley. (laughs) Nightlyspirits.com. Ditto what I just said. Estes Park Trail Gazette and Nine News. It's a local news channel in Denver. Uh, (laughs) So I'm going to tell you a little history about the hotel itself. The guy that built it is named Freeland. Never heard that name, huh? Freeland Oscar Stanley. He's an American inventor and architect. He invented the Stanley Practical Drawing Set, which a lot of kids used in school and photographers used it, and it made him like a fucking multimillionaire. Like, he invented this thing, got super rich, and then with his twin brother, he made the Stanley Motor Carriage Company, the Stanley Steamer, I'm sure you've heard of. Wait, that's him? That's him. Stanley Steamer, tough on dirt, gentle on carpet. Well, do you know that no, one? No, it's a real steamer. It's not the vacuum oh. steamer. Oh, I got so I knew no, that. No, it's not the carpet. So it's not quick. Stanley Steamer, carpet cleaner. It's not that. <laughs> it's it's a steamer. It's a fucking steamer. It goes 127 miles an hour. If it were a carpet cleaner, that would be quick. That would be too fast. <laughs> my, my walls would be very. Your dented. carpet would be on fire. <laughs> That's a sex joke. I, don't, I haven't figured it out yet, but I know it is one. <laughs> um, it, but at the time, that was like the fastest fucking vehicle on earth. So he's done some cool stuff, okay? But then something kind of sad happens where in 1903, they're like, you have six months to live. You have tuberculosis. Oh, shit. Yeah. So he's like, oh, man, what am I going to do? Let's, uh, you know what? Come on, wife. Let's go to the Rocky Mountains. It's beautiful there. Okay. She says. Yeah, they live in Massachusetts, but they want to spend his last six months in lovely Colorado. So he goes there, and he loves Estes Park. He loves fucking hiking. He changes, you know, his, his whole life. His profile pic to hiking he pictures. His profile pic. He gets a really cute walking stick. He gets some <laughs> gear. But actually, what it does for him is huge. It, he's like four years later, he's recovered. He's in really good shape. He lives to be fucking 91 years old. God bless. And he fell in love with Estes Park. I feel like he, like, blames Estes Park for his triumph over tuberculosis. He blames it or he credits it? Credits it. <laughs> like, he's like, fuck you, Ezra. I thought I was going to die. Does blame have to be I negative? Lost... Does it have to be? All right. Well, maybe I, it Maybe is. a little bit. All right. Fine. Wrong word. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, Estes Park, you rock my world. I love you. Um... I want to build a hotel here. I want to build a hydroelectric plant so that my hotel can be electric boogie woogie. So he's like, you know what? This is going to be the most bomb ass hotel. There's going to be a fucking phone in every room. It's going to be crazy. (laughs) It's the early 1900s. This is nuts. If you're planning to stay at the Stanley Hotel, they now have heat. Oh, (laughs) Bring comfy socks. So he clothes. brought in the phones. The hotel later didn't make a lot of changes because it's still this really cool, amazing old building with quite the history. But they added things like heat, heat. to make it especially awesome on TripAdvisor and stuff. Where they're like, you know what? <laughs> We're going to add heat. The Stanley Hotel in built in 1900 is like really concerned about the TripAdvisor. Yelp in 1920 was just somebody going, ah! <laughs> Yelping. Yelping. Quite literally, yelping. <laughs> that's where, that's no! where they got the name. <laughs> <laughs> so it's huge. It's like a fucking town. It's got like 11 structures. It's got like a carriage house and a gatehouse and a main hotel and a concert hall. It's like, it's all the it's fuck like everywhere. It's like a cruise but not on water. Yes, even better than a cruise. So a resort. What, what I just described say. is a resort. Finding all the words. Many years ago, there was a storm and the hotel lost power. The manager of the hotel asked one of the people that worked there, can you go through and light all the lamps? Mm-hmm. And what she didn't know is there was a gas leak in one of the rooms. Oh, shit. She opened the door. No. And it fucking blew her the fuck away. It blew the room Did apart. Did she die? It set her through the floor and into the room one story down. So she died. She died. The room that blew her apart yeah. was room 217. Flash forward many years. Knock, knock, knock. There's another storm and Stephen King has come to stay at this hotel with his family. The hotel was about to shut down for the season because 
they didn't have heat yet. It's like the eight. It's so it's the eighties. They don't have heat yet. They're like, we're gonna close for the season. But Stephen King knocks on the door and is like, "It's well, can I stay here with my family? We're stuck because of the storm." And they're like, "Yeah, we. I mean, sure. They're the only people in this huge hotel, essentially. Wild. Yeah." So they end up staying there, and he ends up kind of exploring the hotel at night. And he may or may not have seen, I mean, you can read all different accounts, but you can read about how he saw, like, an apparition. He stayed in room 217, and how the apparition was this maid that I just told you about that died years ago. The hotel is reported to be haunted as you guys all I'm sure know I'm going to kind of break down some of those stories um, because they're totally super fun so let's talk about the concert hall remember uh, our friend Freeland Mm -hmm. Freeland built the concert hall as a gift to his wife Flora Flora and Freeland how much do you love that it's it's like Fauna and Mary what is it from Sleeping Beauty Flora Flora, and Fauna and Meriwether so the stage has a trap door. The lower level has a bowling alley. Oh, shit. Yeah. That ain't just a theater. That's a fucking activity center. Yes. And you know who hangs out there? Which ghost? Flora. She hangs out there. Oh, She plays sweet. the piano there at night. Isn't that fun? Good for Flora. Keeping it tight. Keeping There's the another spirit up. that hangs ten in the, um, there. There's a few, actually. There's Paul. Paul used to be a bartender, and he was, like, really into the 11 p.m. curfew. So what I love is that sometimes if you're there at night, you can hear him whisper, get out. (laughs) (laughs) Do you love that? He's just like, go home. You can't stay here, but you get, you can't, you can't stay, but you get. What is it? He plays closing time. Yeah. He just plays the song (laughs) closing time. Closing time. (laughs) And honestly, good for him. He's like upholding order. He's like, it's time to go home. A construction worker was there really late one night doing work and he kept feeling an invisible nudge. Oh, damn. Until he left. Oh, damn. Paul is. Very serious. And when you go on tour in the hotel, they give you flashlights sometimes when you're there at night in the concert hall, Mm -hmm. and Paul will make your flashlights flicker. So he's, like, fun, you know? He's like, we're all having fun till it's 11, and then please leave. (laughs) (laughs) There's this ghost, Lucy, that also wanders the hall. She will also answer questions via flashlights, and her history is that they think that when she was... A young girl, she was a squatter, and she was hiding out in the basement. Then they found her and forced her to leave, and the night got below freezing, and she froze to death. Oh, Jesus. So now she hangs out there. But she's, like, I don't hang like out. a benign spirit. She's hum- she hums a lot. That's her vibe. And she's, like, a, a young girl. There's a picture of her, actually. There's oh. a guy that was on tour. I'll read this quote from him. Over the weekend, about 15 co-workers and myself had our company trip to the Stanley Hotel. Many green orbs were caught in pictures, but I don't think anything is as creepy as this photo taken by my co-worker, a little girl in a hot pink dress, who is definitely not on our tour. Everyone on my tour has vouched that this girl was not on our tour. Who wouldn't remember someone wearing this hot pink? There's a man in the picture with her that was the tour guide, and she's ahead of him. So the tour guide's, like, bringing people into a space, and there's this girl in a hot pink dress. The guy says he felt a really weird energy in the concert hall when they went in there, and they think it's Lucy in the picture. Oh, shit. Yeah. Then there's Eddie. Stinky old Eddie. Oh, no. Eddie's nickname is Stinky Man, or it was, um, because people Poor could guy. smell him. He's a stinky ghost. But he heard people calling him that, and he began trying to exude a more pleasant smell. Aww, thank you, Eddie. Thanks, I, Eddie. I wouldn't assume you'd be in control of that. Yeah, I don't... How do you... How does a ghost change their scent? A human would, like, shower, perhaps, or change a clothes. Yeah, I don't know how as a ghost, ghost does it. feels it. like... Can you change clothes as a ghost? But people generally say that he does kind of cause you a little bit of discomfort. He's a prankster, and he likes to stroke women's hair and kiss their cheeks. Can you imagine getting, like, me... That feels me- less prankster and a little bit more, like, me too. You know That's what I mean? That's what I was gonna <laughs> say. Can you imagine getting me too'd by a fucking ghost? Um, talk to Anna Nicole Smith. I'm gonna do a story on her for sure one day. 
She talks about fucking a ghost. Did you know that? <laughs> no. I'm highly interested in All that right, story. Next, teeny tiny, cre- teeny tiny creepily. All right. Great idea. Subscribe to Patreon and you'll hear the story of Anna Nicole fucking a ghost. <laughs> That's not what you want. I don't know what is. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff about kids. Right. It's still in the concert hall? This is kind of everywhere. There are kids in the concert hall for sure. And so when you arrive to the concert hall and you're like on a tour... The guide will sometimes be like, who here is good with kids? And certain people will raise their hand and they'll give you a dum-dum sucker and be like, just hold it out. And you can feel the kids tug the dum-dum. No. Yeah. And somebody, I read a firsthand account of somebody that said, some people claim to feel movement. Some didn't feel a thing, but I personally felt and watched this fucking sucker drag from the middle of my hand all the way off to the ground. That fucked with my shit. Whoa! Crazy, right? There's also a pet cemetery, which, Stephen King, how many ideas did you get when you stayed there? Really, that guy. And there's a couple of pets that make appearances at the hotel. There's Cassie, the golden retriever, and Comanche, the white cat. They're dead animals that hang out at the hotel. I figured by ghosts, they're probably dead. They're dead. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they're dead. They're dead. They're dead. So sorry to tell you this. They're dead. Comanji the white cat. That's dead. correct. Dead. Deceased. There's underground caves Ugh. that have a lot of limestone and quartz in them, which people are also like, that's great because it's going to trap paranormal activity and make it even more awesome. Why is that great? <laughs> well, because it's so fun. There are current employees that say that when they go down into the caves, they can smell fresh baked goods smell. And they think it's because there was a pastry chef <gasps> that that died that is like baking down there, I guess. Do you want to know the best prank you can play on someone? You could tell Matt if you ever fart and you just go, do you smell fresh baked bread? And then somebody will go, like, they really take a big, <laughs> big whiff. That's really funny. <laughs> Carrie, what a great one. Thank you for that, Jim. You're welcome. There was one story I read on Reddit where a guy said, one time my wife, then girlfriend, and I were at the Stanley Bean Jerks, and we decided we wanted to see the upstairs without paying for the tour. So we went down to the basement and took the elevator to the top floor. As we were walking down the hall towards the stairs... To get out, the door slammed so fast and loudly it felt inhuman, and I was surprised nothing fell off the walls or shattered. I don't believe in ghosts or paranormal shit, but at that moment, that shit was definitely freaky as fuck. It was probably just the wind. Just really liked that I rather really than like that right? a lot too. Yeah, really good. Um, let's talk about the fourth floor. The fourth floor is super haunted. Okay. The closet doors open and close on their own. Fourth floor used to be just like an attic space. And then later in this history, it became lodging for female employees, children, and nannies. So it's packed full of the fucking kids. And people on the fourth floor that stay there are always hearing shit. Kids running around, giggling, laughing. Here's a couple firsthand accounts. Somebody wrote, I stayed there with my mom when I was 16. It was my birthday present, and we stayed on the fourth floor. We were woken up at 4 a.m. by the toilet flushing, and that was followed by children laughing right outside our door. I still get the shivers when I think about it. There are all these rooms that um, are reported extra haunted on the fourth floor. Mm-hmm. Room 407, people often report they feel themselves getting tucked in. Ooh. And there was a little boy that stayed there one night and said he kept kicking off his covers and the covers kept shooting back up. Do you worry by telling this? You're like summoning spirits? No. Okay. Me neither. Another guest that stayed in that room said she felt someone sitting on the edge of the bed and when she turned the light on, no one was there. But she did see an indentation in the bed. Ooh, like someone had been sitting I there. I don't like that. Nope. Room 418... There's a lot of mischief in this room. There's a lot of covers not getting... It's the opposite of getting tucked in. Pe- people are getting their covers pulled off. Bathroom lights These are going are on. These kids are so mischievous. They're fun. <laughs> a little girl that was like only four stayed there with her mom a few years ago. And in the morning, she said that a little boy had been tickling her all night. And she wasn't afraid, though, because she was four. You know how kids are when they see ghosts. They're just like, hey. They're like, hey, new um, friend, sick. She said she told the little boy to stop tickling her, and he did. Oh, so, we chill. love a consent. Chill, chill, chill. Love it. Room 428, there's a ghost cowboy in. 
What? Yeah. Incredible. He's like from the Wild West. And people have seen him pacing. And they've With also been like. Spurs? <laughs> He's not a baby. He's just a regular sized cowboy. Oh, okay. And if you ask him to leave, they people have asked him to leave. He just does. Aww. So again. We love a consenting ghost. Um, but he does kiss ladies. We're so close. We were so close. <laughs> I know. It's like the consent thing is really iffy with the cowboys. What yeah. We well, learn. these ghosts. Yeah, they're tough. Room 413, people see a guy in just old-timey clothing standing in the corner, which I don't I love. I love it if, honestly, what I love about this is, like, if it's not, it's actors just being paid to do these things, which I love, actually. <laughs> I, I really like the <laughs> idea of people being like, hurry, go into 413. Well, then how do they do this guy? Because a lot of people that stay in that room say outside the room they see a face floating in, like, a blue ball. That one's hard. If they made a hologram of Kim Kardashian's fucking father. You're right. Okay. We need to talk about that. That was... Do we? We'll talk about it later. All right. Obviously, we need to talk about 217 where Stephen King stayed. Mm -hmm. In 1911, that room was actually two rooms. It was 217 and 215, and then they... So lo- what you actually see if you stay in that room sometimes are ghosts passing through walls because they are not honoring the new construction, which separated it. Gotcha. You remember I told the story about the woman lighting the gas yeah, lamp yeah, the and getting exploded? Yeah. <laughs> getting exploded. Well, it's really interesting because <laughs> then I read another account that she didn't get exploded. She got um, just like broken ankles and then felt better and was a chambermaid there till the 50s. And that after her death, she haunted that room. So... There was a lot. I mean, it's ghost when stories. When I see her so. with broken ankles, I see. Do you ever see those pictures of those people like in models, like in big heels walking, and then their ankles are just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like a baby bird. <laughs> that's what I imagine her ghost doing with her broken ankles. Just, <laughs> ooh, that's scary, though. <laughs> broken ankle ghost? I don't like it. So, either way, she either died or she lived after that accident and then decided to haunt the room later when she died. <laughs> Anyway, what ends up happening in that room is housekeeping ghost stuff. So what do oh, I mean? Cute. Like going to your room and seeing that your luggage has been unpacked for you after what? you went down to dinner. Yeah. Or that your shoes got lined up like neatly together. Oh, I don't like that. Yeah. And she also doesn't like, she's old fashioned, this mm. maid. So if like there's an unmarried couple that are staying there, she will climb into bed with them and try to force their bodies apart. <laughs> She's just looking at none of that premarital stuff. She's like, no, nice try. No, no. And actually, um, when Jim Carrey was filming Dumb and Dumber, that was shot in Colorado in Estes Park, and he stayed there and asked for that room. And it's reported he got so spooked that he ran half naked from it in the middle of the night. Wild. I would never stay in that room. I would never. No. Would you? No. There's no fucking way. No Maddie's way. asked to stay in the haunted rooms. She pays extra to stay at the haunted rooms. My sister. Has she been in 217? No. I think that's probably really expensive. I think she stayed in, like, a ghost cowboy room. I can't remember which one. Did she see anything? No, but she did take a lot of pictures. I'll post the pictures that she took online because it's they're fun and creepy, regardless of the fact that there's no orbs or floating balls in them. <laughs> you know what? Here's how we're going to end this. Do it. I'm going to read you, like, just a couple more little mini accounts. Yes, I love those. Okay. My ex-girlfriend and I went there around New Year's a couple years ago. I can confirm it's very haunted. (laughs) On the third floor, my ex turned white as a sheet after stepping in front of a particular door. I asked her what happened, and she said something had run their hand from her backside up to the nape of her neck. There was no one around us. But when the tour members gathered around the door... She had the experience that she began to tell the group about an apparition that likes to grope pretty young ladies and run his hand from their backside up to their neck. No. Super spooky. Where are these rapey fucking ghosts? There's a lot of rapey ghosts. Jesus. They're old-timey ghosts. Get a, I was going to say get a life, but they're like, we're trying. <laughs> we can't. That's the thing about ghosts. We can't. We're very we dead. We can't. We're dead. A woman named Carol Robinson stayed there with her five-year-old granddaughter and says, when walking to our room... My granddaughter asked why the man in the white hat was following us. I said, what man? And she said, right there behind us. I didn't see anyone, but she insisted. I believe a five-year-old since she doesn't know the stories, etc. She had a hard time sleeping that night. And then the next day in one of the hallways was a picture of a man in a white hat that was a previous resident. 
Yeah. <laughs> that. Kathleen Holmes. This was on a website for this company, TDS. It's an internet company in Colorado. And they were posting about things that have happened to them when they stayed there. It was cute. This is hers. And this is the last one. So buckle up. Oh, and just so you know, Kathleen Holmes is the supervisor of direct sales. So she doesn't if seem you, like she listen, would lie. If, you, if you're looking for sales for a website, feel free to reach out to Kathleen Holmes. She Kathy, can help you out. we love you. Her and her husband were walking around the Stanley Hotel when he turned to her asking if she was holding his hand. She wasn't. He later said it felt like a small child was holding his hand. Later that evening, Kathleen said the window in their room kept opening and would not stay closed even after she locked it several times. Finally, and this part's the creepiest, Kathleen was at the hotel with a friend and they were taking a selfie in front of a mirror. But when they looked at the photo later, Kathleen wasn't facing the mirror. She was walking away. That was the freakiest thing ever, she said, because I know I should have been facing the mirror in the photo. Ooh, I got chills. That one is so freaky to me. Because the friend is still there. Ugh! I don't like that. And that, my friends, are some fun haunting stories about the Stanley Hotel. Oh, I hope that cleansed your palate, folks. I hope so. I surely do hope so. If you made it this far, congratulations. We love you. We love you. We won't let you down. We might let you down on occasion, but but not intentionally. We're going to get you there. We're going to get back. Please rate, (laughs) review, subscribe, share, shimmy, shake. Live, love, gather. Laugh, pretend, disperse. Joy. <laughs> disperse. Disperse.